stay on top of maintenance. So when you're doing that, how do they handle maintenance? You should have a predetermined amount set. Okay, this is how much I'm authorized. I'm authorizing my property manager to go through and say, okay, I'll take care of it. Unless it's an emergency, outline the emergency. Put it all in writing. Don't ever do anything on a handshake. Unfortunately, we're not, we're not on the farm anymore. You know, that's just not how it rolls. I'm a farm girl from Iowa, so okay. I can say that. It is a common saying amongst real estate investors that you make money when you buy, not when you sell. While this catchy phrase has value, it fails to convey how easy it is to lose money through poor property management. Whether you self-manage or hire a professional, it is important to understand how to navigate the common pitfalls and challenges with rental properties without losing your shirt or your mind. That's why you have tuned in to Maximizing Your Property Value the Apartment Owner's Guide to Operating Rental Properties as a Successful Business. I'm your host, John Stiles, real estate agent and team leader of the VIP Real Estate Group at Bridge Realty. As a current multifamily investor and former property manager myself, I understand the headaches and difficulties of keeping an investment property from becoming a money pit and time sucker. It takes a solid business plan. It takes tested systems and it takes key team members to actually find success. So let's take a deep dive and maximize your property value. All right, welcome back everybody to another episode of Maximizing Your Property Value. So glad that you have tuned in today. We've got a real treat for you today. And our guest in the show today is Kelly Johansson. Kelly is the owner of uh, Ideal Property Investments. So Kelly, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Of course. So Kelly, why don't you tell our, audi our audience a little bit about your background and how you got started into real estate? So about 20 years ago, I started dabbling in rental property myself. And from there, just grew to managing for other people to having owning and operating my own brokerage. So now I own my own rental property and manage it for others. So that's that's the the trajectory of how it all came to be. Okay. And for your investment properties that you've owned, are they primarily in the Twin Cities? or yes. do you Okay. Yep. So just suburbs. I love townhomes. Okay. Yeah. Very good. It's kind of my, my thing. <laughs> yeah. And then um, is that also match the type of clients that you typically manage for? A lot of townhomes or, or what else are the property types that you manage? Right. So single family, it, not commercial, residential, um, primarily at townhomes, single family homes, condos, um, duplexes, small apartment complexes, less than 20 units. Um, yeah, so work with the, the smaller investor. Yeah, very good. Um, what would you say is your company's kind of unique selling proposition? Or what, how do you stand out from the other management companies that are out there? Quality of service, pers that's first and foremost. So we, I feel like the word boutique is kind of overused, and it, but I can't help but define it as that because the personal level of service is so just boutique-y, okay. I guess, for lack of a better word. But um, yeah, so customer service is key, and that's how that's how we kind of stick out. Yeah. And I understand there's uh, quite a bit of meaning behind 
the name of your company. Yeah. Can you tell our audience a little bit about that? Sure. Ideal Property Investment. So Ideal is the first is, is an acronym for the first five money makers in rental property. So I is income, D is depreciation, E is equity, A is appreciation, and L is leverage. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we all do it, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, well, that's great to know a little bit about your company and, and the meaning behind the name there. Yeah. Um, how how large is would you say your company is? Is it just you or do you have other employees and such? So it, it's me and we are growing. Um, so not necessarily, I'm not a huge fan of employees. I'd rather do... I like the contractor aspect and how that looks. So adding more agents and, you know, I'm a slow grow. I don't like to grow anything fast. It's just not good in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, okay. Well, that could definitely help you maintain your, you know, level Quality. of service to your Correct. customers. So very good. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as uh, different investment owners are out there looking for mm -hmm. a manager like yourself, what are some questions that an owner should ask a manager to see if they're a good fit? Um, first thing is, is if it's hard to get a hold of them initially, it's probably not good. That's that's first and foremost. If they're hard, if they're not responsive, if it, you know, if you don't, if you don't like your manager, if you don't like them, don't use them because that's probably how it's going to to work with the tenants. And you're hiring somebody to represent you as essentially a liaison or a middleman. So that's first. Secondly, um, you want to make sure that you understand how many, uh, the size of the portfolio. It really shouldn't go beyond, um, there's a certain percentage out there, but you want to make sure that they can handle the load, if you will. You don't want to just, and, and that kind of goes back to my old or my prior saying that slow growing is better because then it allows you to, to grow with the company as opposed to just, you know, just being annihilated with or inundated with too much business all at once. Sure. So those are two very important, um, so keys. on, on your point about the ability to handle the size of portfolio what yeah what what do you think is a good size portfolio per let's say manager within the company so i'm going to use myself as an example um i currently manage approximately 150 units i have the capability of going to 200 where i feel and know that that is a comfortable level without compromising the quality of my service. So however you want to equate that. Yeah. I mean, everybody's different, you know. Um, I'm, I have a crazy work ethic, so I'm not afraid to, and probably it's probably a detriment to me because I'm not afraid to work hard, but, um, and I don't play hard. So, you know, eh, what do you do? But yeah, I think that's that's my comfort level. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So one to two hundred. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. And I don't know if I interrupted you. Were you going to mention anything else about just other questions that uh, owners should ask to make sure it's a good fit for the management company? 
you want to make sure that you have um, that they're doing monthly financial statements, that they have maintenance staff, um, that they have all those. Uh, and everybody says midnight calls or those, but that rarely happens, to be quite honest. You just want to make sure that when there are maintenance issues, that they have a team behind them mm. to take care of it and have all of those um, details worked out in the beginning. So the owner knows what to expect. Communication is key in this industry. You want to make sure that there's no confusion at the front end because otherwise it'll just end in a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and for me, electronic, you know, emailing, texting, um, just all methods of communication are just so there's not just one aspect. Like phone calls aren't, necessarily all that prevalent today when you can text and email so mm -hmm. um that's it, it yeah but again i go back to just making sure that you like them <laughs> as a person yeah because you're going to be working with them they're going to be representing you and that's it, it that's just huge from the get-go everything else it can be worked out yeah, yep. Communication and expectations, I would agree, are yeah. super important there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as I think about property managers, I, I look at you as problem solvers. Yeah. Um, can you tell us maybe a problem that you've solved recently that maybe was new or maybe is common and just mm -hmm. kind of how you've dealt with the situation and what you learned from it? Sure. So, actually, just... Uh, just this week, um, representing an investor because I, my brokerage is really growing to the point where I want to represent the investor to, to bring them full circle, right? So from the buy, so finding, securing, flipping, renting, managing. So in, you know, again, that ties back into the ideal philosophy of our company. Um, so that said, I'm representing an investor and a buy, we found a property. Um, what happened is, is that rentals are allowed. Of course, that's the first thing that you ask. Everything was good and then come back around. Um, they required an, a one-year owner-occupant. Well, my experience, I knew better to compare the rules and regulations to the declarations and the bylaws, right? where the other management company was not so privy. So the, there's a twofold statement here is what I want to try to get across. So and I'm trying to think about the best way to explain this so it's not confusing. So because I have such an extended amount of knowledge and expertise in this industry, I'm, I was able to use that and combine, dig in and research the legal documents to overturn the board's decision to say, okay, we'll allow you one. Well, we're going to wait that because it's not legally stamped. There's no legal stance here because it contradicts and is inconsistent with the law, the rules and regulations. Oh, okay. So now that investor is able to go in, get a great deal and start renting right away. So that was, that was a huge accomplishment just from the perspective of um, just knowing what I know, you know, 
part of being in a management company, especially with the bigger companies, is that you've got so many people, right? You've got so many people who, you've got the owner of the company, and then you've got the, the, the owner who brings in, um, you know, the manager. Then you've got the association manager. Then you've got the association person. And, and I'm saying that these this is how it works with a big conglomerate corporation who people can hire for management. It, it, it's, there's so many people and so many tiers. That's where we shine as far as customer service is concerned because we are, I'm what you get and I'm not going to put you in touch of with somebody unless, you know, I've screened them and I know I'm going to talk the talk and walk the walk. I'm not just going to hand you off to Joe Schmo. <laughs> um, but because of that, then, so when I was dealing with this issue, I was dealing with somebody who was not experienced at all. So new client, lots of turnover. That's another question that I, how much turnover are you going to be dealing with the same person? That's another important question to ask when you're hiring a property manager. How much turnover are you going to be my main contact? Yep. Are you going to hand me off to somebody else? So because I knew what I knew, I was able to go up the chain, make a move, and get the job done. But, yeah. you know, the gentleman who I was dealing with, he, he didn't know any different. He okay. just thought it was as it was written. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, that's very important to have mm -hmm. the management company be familiar with the laws, the association yes. documents, and just, you know, standards of practice. Yep. So that they can kind of spot something that's out of place. Right. And they have to, I mean, laws change all the time. They just do. Yeah. And you have to stay on top of that. Minneapolis is going through a huge change right now. With, right. With just tenant screening and, uh, yeah, that's another story. <laughs> another topic. Another topic. So, okay. All right. Very good. So, you know, when we're dealing with tenants, um, we want to provide them you know, the best customer service that we can. At the same time, sometimes our tenants, you know, break the lease, whether it's non-payment of rent or having unauthorized uh, guests or, or pets. You know, there's all all number of things that can go wrong uh, and cause the situation to become frustrating. Um, what's a situation that you dealt with with a tenant that is kind of, you know, just made you pull your hair out and, and how did you handle that and how did you resolve that? So perfect timing on that too, because um, first of all, each each city is so different with regards to to laws on eviction. The city of St. Paul requires you to have an attorney if you're a corporation. Um, Hennepin County allows like me, the property manager, to facilitate it myself, regardless of being a corporation. So again, it's important to that your manager knows the laws. Um, going through two evictions right now and one I assumed because an owner decided that she was going to um, assume or purchase a property with the tenant and no lease no anything so anyway um, that was expensive and it's still ongoing but I always try to work with tenants until it's unworkable. So I do have a heart and people do go through issues, but I'm not, a, I'm not afraid 
to hire an attorney to do it. I mean, I have the relationship. Again, that's another important question to ask. Um, and I just send it off and they take care of it. So I used to do it all myself. And then, you know, each city has different rules. But, um, yeah, and that's just, it's just best to let an attorney handle it and get it off legally binding and safe. Yeah. So, attorney. That's the answer. <laughs> yeah. Attorney. Bring in your attorney when, when needed, yep. okay? Yeah. That's very good. So, how do you provide that top quality customer service to the owners that you work for um, as far as, you know, providing them enough communication so that, you know, they're comfortable with what you're doing, with how you're managing, mm-hmm. um, but but not letting any one owner kind of monopolize your time and, and energy? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so there are some owners that, but some of it's just time. You know, if there's a maintenance project, of course, that, that particular owner, unless we, we have a... Again, it's all in the upfront. You gotta make sure that you understand each each client is a little bit different, so you gotta handle them a little bit differently. One likes calls, one likes texts. So establishing that communication upfront, and then understanding if they want how involved they want to be when something goes wrong or how all of that transpires. So as far as monopolizing time, it is kind of property and person specific, um, but I. I think um, it's just being honest. Hey, I I will get back to you later. And just being extremely transparent, and so that they're not their expectations are in line with with what you're providing. And that's how you know. Again, communication. So if I can't handle something, somebody's texting me. I'll get back to you if it's not urgent. Yeah. Um, but I always, I don't like not responding to, to people or I just think that's poor service if you don't, or if you wait too long. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I think in our day and age where we all have our phone in our hands all the time and yeah. we kind of had that expectation that we will get a immediate response. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's just best to, Hey, got it. Catch you later. Right. Yep. Sure. Hey, everybody. I'm interrupting the show quick to make sure you know about the North Star Real Estate Conference. If you're ready to take your real estate investing career to the next level, then you need to attend this two-day event on April 24th and 25th. We have both local and national experts presenting on finding deals, flipping houses, multifamily syndication, commercial investing, creative deal making, and so much more. Whether you're brand new to real estate or you've been in it for years, there is something for everybody at this conference. In addition to the great content, we have prioritized networking so that you can grow your real estate team. So click the link in the show notes to buy your ticket today, and I'll see you there. So one of the things we want to cover in this show is just how we can help our owners um, maximize the the value of their property. Mm -hmm. And that's done... um, often through either increasing rents, decreasing expenses, but it has to be done in a way that doesn't, you know, jeopardize the customer experience, doesn't uh, jeopardize the property itself, you know, by avoiding maintenance, for example. So what ways have you found to really um, improve the bottom line for our property owners? So 
again, because I'm not complex management, I'm more individual. Uh, I have multiple clients as opposed to just one company. Um, each house is so different, right? But maintenance is really where it all comes back. So by having pre-negotiated contracts with my subcontractors allows me as a contractor, I'm a building, I have a, a license for builder's license, I should say. Okay. Um, it allows me to pass that savings on toward them. But also educating them in the front end about capital expenditures and the importance of making sure that you have a reserve amount set aside or an escrow amount per se. And I even escrow some amounts for my clients just to, to make it easier for them when there's a tenant turnover and painting needs to be done. And so there's no confusion um, and they're not out of pocket, you know. So that's it. But maintenance is key. Um, and I always say increase rent. I know it doesn't matter if it's $10 or 5%. You've got to increase rent year over year. Okay. Or term over term, I should say, because some people aren't year year over year. We like to serve, we like to sign longer term leases if we can. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, when we're talking about having, um, you know, the best prices we can with maintenance vendors, uh, how do you accomplish that? How do you make sure that you're getting the best prices with your subcontractors? And I'm not okay. So. You have to stay on top of them. So I physically meet with people, and I do have a few options. So, and again, I could hire a full-time handyman and have them as my employee and have them just doing everything, um, but that's not going to benefit the client. What's going to benefit the client is making sure that you're dotting the I's and crossing the T's because the handyman is not necessarily going to be a plumber or going to be an electrician. And if you're renting a property, you want to remove that liability from the from the owner to make sure that you're hiring licensed contractors. So, so yes, um, pre-negotiated deals, and that's really what it comes down to. And some, for example, um, I use a company for plumbing. Um, they're not necessarily the cheapest, but I also get quite a bit of of a big discount for all of the, the business I provide them. So that allows me to send it, send it to them. So, and just constantly just staying in touch with the people in charge of those, of those companies and having um, due diligence in place so that everybody knows so we can act fast because there's nothing I dislike more than when you have an outstanding maintenance request for an extended period of time. It should mm -hmm. just be done very quickly. And again, I don't want just, I've toyed with, I do have a maintenance company, but I do it for legal purposes just to make sure that I'm providing, I can stay in the know again, walking the walk, talking the talk. Um, but I, I honestly, it, it's all about quick response because sometimes you're going to pay a little bit more for that the service is going to be better. Yeah. So. Well, I've, I've heard you say a couple of things, which I think are great. For one thing, you're often meeting the contractors mm -hmm. on site so that you can both have eyes on whatever issue it is, have a clear understanding of what the problem is, what the scope of work is. Mm -hmm. And you're 
agreeing on the price at that time so that you're not surprised by bills after the fact. Is that? We do. So, and thankfully technology is so good. I mean, you can do videos and, and everything like that so you can make quick decisions. But, you know, when you're replacing an air conditioner, installing a water heater, you want to make sure those permits are pulled as well. You want to make sure that all of that's on the front end before they even move through. But when you're in the dead of winter and you need a new furnace, sometimes all of that kind of goes by the wayside. So hiring a subcontractor who is able to facilitate that on the back end is huge in making sure that my client is represented on the front end. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I kind of go back and forth with uh, management companies that use an in-house maintenance team versus... Mm -hmm ones that solely, you know, subcontracted out. And I can see both benefits, you know, but but you're right. When when you have an in-house maintenance team, you, you there's kind of pressure to, you got to keep those people busy. Um, yeah. And I think owners have some question, you know, am, how do I know I'm getting the best rate when this is my option to use your, your maintenance person? You know what I mean? Especially in today's day and economy and how, hard it is to find good quality. I'm just going to be honest. It's hard to find good quality, reliable contractors yep. who I can't tell you all the stories. Again, that'd be another separate podcast, but just because of the, of the crazy building that's just going on, I mean, they can pick their trade and they can, they can pick their rate. And so it, it's just finding that person who really cares, you know, everything else is teachable. Um, but again, I always like to, if I found a contractor who was on a contracted basis and wanted to become an employee and exemplified, um, and exuded all of those skills, the, everything else is teachable, but it, you know, because I could keep somebody busy all day long. Um, but again, it, it, it comes back to, are they trainable? Um, and I think I got away from your question a little bit. If it's worth it to be in-house, I haven't found that that is so in my 20 years. I just haven't. I've always done the subcontractor. Yeah. Well, subcontractors have their own self-motivation to get business, do business, and have good customer service themselves. So They that's, should. They should. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, you have that, often you have that benefit, that leg up versus an employee who's just clocking in hours type right. of thing. Right, right. And yeah, I mean, as long as they're doing their job and sometimes it's hard to, to gauge that when they're in the field and there's, you know, again, it, uh, that class is going to be forwarded on. So yep. does it make sense? Now, one of the things that I know is challenging is when you have these individual units kind of scattered out throughout the metro, and then, you know, something goes wrong here and something goes wrong there, you've got a number of different maintenance things going on and different contractors you're dealing with. So how do you keep track of it all and what systems and tools do you use or software or, or whatever it might be? I use, um, it's called Appfolio, and so that is, that just allows me to keep track one system for everything yep. receive work orders. I make all tenants submit work orders or maintenance requests through the port. They have portals. Um, and then I 
send that out or assign the contractor at that time. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, rent collection, it's, it's very easy. Um, have you used Appfolio for quite a long time or how long or how did you kind of land on that software versus the others that are out there? You know, they were persistent and I tried it and yeah, it works. I mean, is it perfect? No, but I don't know anything that is, but you know, I've been using it. Gosh, I don't even... Uh, too long to remember how long, <laughs> however long that is. Yeah. Okay. Very good. And uh, one of the other things I like to cover in this show is just kind of the life cycle of the investment property. You've already touched on that with mm-hmm. with helping people buy, manage, and then I assume sell later on down the road. Um, what are things that you kind of advise your clients to do in preparation for selling um, just so that you know, during the life cycle of managing it, that they can have that in mind um, so that they can, you know, better ha- have a better result when they do a sell in, in the future? I I don't really approach it like that. Okay. I approach it as they're investing and equate it to something like the stock market or their investment portfolio. Like it, either they're, they're using it as a stepping stone towards retirement income or they're using it in lieu of and need cash flow immediately. Um, either way, it can be like a, for independent owners who are also property investment, I don't want to say gurus, but people who own and operate and then manage themselves. I mean, it's it's a full-time job, but it can also make them a lot of money. So. I don't view it as coming into it to be like, you're going to sell. Um, But this one investor I was just working with, there were a couple of upgrades that he could do to help heighten the the return in the foreseeable future if he ever, but we don't go into that thinking, oh, I'm going to sell this. He's going into it thinking I'm going to gift it to my kids. Sure. So, and he wants that. And he's actually taking money out of his retirement to do that. So it's, yeah, like just the little things, paint carpet, appliances, you know, the aesthetic stuff, not teardowns, buildups, you know, nothing yeah. like that. There's properties out there that you can get good deals on that aren't going to be, require a ton of money and still get appreciation. Yeah. Yep. That sounds good. Uh, yeah, that, there's different ways to approach investing. I think in our Midwest area here, you know, a lot of people do just buy to hold forever yeah. without looking to selling. Um, but, you know, there's things that you can do, I think, differently potentially that would um, just in the way you manage it. Like if you some some owners, I think, kind of have a mindset of we'll set it and forget it. Yeah. And right. um not realizing that there's maintenance and there's capital improvements that should be done mm-hmm. along the way in order to have the property not deteriorate over time. So, Sure. You want to just stay on top of maintenance, which comes back to making sure that you've got a good property management company who knows how to respond and has the, the right team to do that because and have good insurance. 
another major key. You yep. want to make sure you have good insurance. Um, yeah, just staying on top of, of that stuff. That's why I like townhomes, because if you do have a vacancy, it's going to be taken care of outside, inside. Inside, maybe not, but, you know, you're going to have... There's common areas. There's common areas, and somebody's always going to be watching it as opposed to... Not that we don't manage single-family standalone properties, but it's just... Um, that's my personal preference anyway, so... Yeah. Are there any um, key numbers that you help the owners track or that you track mm -hmm. in your business to kind of check the health of the investment? So it's all in the numbers, right? So it's all in the buy. The numbers don't lie. So when you are, when you're, before you're even considering, you want to have your, your spreadsheet. You want to make sure that you understand what kind of return you're looking for. You want to make sure how much money you know you're going to need to put down as a, because investment properties, I'm not a lender, but I can speak from experience to say that you're going to need money down. So however you approach that is, is important to understand before you start looking. Um, and then from there, you, you honestly just plug in the numbers, the purchase price, the cash outlay, and if it gives you the return based off, and I have spreadsheets, and I'm actually just getting ready to implement and make that go live on my website. So, um, but I personally like 10% rate of return. Okay. You know, and that's, it's going to be based on like a 30-year fixed mortgage. Just so there's no surprises. I don't like arms or balloons or any of that. Just because... And, and for me, I want at least $500 a month in cash flow. Um, and then, of course, you get the silent tax benefits that from your tax returns. Yep. So, I'm, uh, yes, you just, it's all on the buy. Make sure you get the good deal. You put your numbers in because they don't lie. If that works, you're on your way to a good investment. Yep. Very good. Um, yeah, I agree with you that, uh, you know, our best investment decisions are made at the purchase time. Mm -hmm. um, what about after that? What about when you're managing it? Are there any other numbers that you track along the way to make sure you're staying on target? As far as budget? Could be budget. It could be something else. could be uh, how quickly you're responding to maintenance. It could be uh, how long it takes to fill a vacant unit, um, just any sorts of those types of numbers that you might kind of keep a close eye on. So again, because I'm not complex management, I'm, I'm more individual. Um, my goal is just to get the highest rent mm -hmm. from a marketability standpoint or yeah. competitive standpoint, and then making sure that, that I keep the maintenance cost down. Because you don't know what's going to come. But most of my clients aren't. If they do have a problem, we work through it as far as like, uh, let's just say you have, um, well, I've had to do it. Replace a furnace, $5,000. Okay, well, that's where we go back and you didn't want an escrow, but let's implement one now, you know. So there's no surprises down the road because, and then the age of the property. So if I, uh, to me, that's more important than anything, just knowing 
how the property is, the status of the property, and then and then just planning. Hey, we should probably you know start looking at saving something because in the summer you might need a new air conditioner. Yeah. So so it's it's more so just staying on top of that. Yeah. Speaking about the escrow account, is there a certain way that you help owners determine how much they should be saving, either a percentage or a dollar amount? You should honestly be saving at least 10%, in my opinion. Of the monthly revenue? Right. So 1500 you know, you should be putting away 150 Yep. And that's probably high, but better be safe than sorry. You can always yeah, obviously, revise it at the end of the year. It'll depend on the age of the property, the age of mechanicals, and right. if it is a freestanding building, age of the roof, mm-hmm. that type of stuff. Obviously, that can all play a role. True, true. Well, very good. So you've talked about raising rents to the maximum that you can achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I assume you've seen what I've seen, that rents have gone up quite a bit recently. Yeah. Um, based on your experience, do you see that at tw- you know spring and summer 2020, we're going to continue with that upward trajectory, or are we going to see any changes here in the near future? I don't foresee. I mean, the election is going to play a huge part, obviously. I mean, look at what the stock market is doing today with the coronavirus, right? Mm-hmm. So things like that that you just don't foresee but are put right smack dab in the middle of it today, it's going to affect it in some way. Um, the election is going to be huge, though. I don't, I would see, I don't bet, but if I were, if I were to, I would say that you'll still see increasing. I would say that. Yep. What do you think? You think so? Yeah, well, I agree with you that there's some anomalies that are, especially this year, um, but to me, it comes back down to supply and demand. And right now, we don't have enough supply of housing. So, well, We have a surplus of apartments, which is crazy to me. Yeah. That's what it is, I guess. Yeah. So we'll, I guess we'll all see. Yeah. Um, are you seeing any difference in expectations with tenants aside from the rent? Like the benefits or, um, or features that they are looking for? In, in their apartment or condo community? You know, if it's an association, maybe are there amenities that they're looking for? Any, anything that you're noticing there? Depends on the location. You know, suburb properties, not necessarily so much, but when you've got something more in line with the city, you're looking for convenience location. Um, a few amenities, you know, by the apartment complex, the, the, apartment complexes that I have managed just people want to see amenities you know they if it's not a pool they want a gym Mm -hmm. which I mean to me that's a money waste but yeah so yeah depends on the location um but at the end of the day just show a clean show a clean property and it's probably gonna you're gonna be far ahead of most of your competitors. Yep. Um, speaking of showing a clean apartment, how do you handle showings if the apartments or the unit is uh, occupied? Um, do you run into issues where maybe some tenants are not keeping it so clean? Yeah, 
then at that point, we just don't show it until they vacated. You can do any any amount of probing, probbing, you know, begging, pleading. It's just, it's just, one thing in this world is that everybody's definition of clean is not the same. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, yeah, and it, it's different because when you have a, a single family home, it's not like you can show a model. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah that, but that's, again, on the front end, a property manager should do their due diligence to make sure. I'd rather wait and have a property vacant for a month and get the great tenant in there than just settling, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to pay off way in the end. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I mean, if you show a unit that's in disarray, you might get somebody that applies, but maybe that's going to be somebody who just continues on in that pattern. And you can all tell that, you know, but uh, yeah. So, but again, more laws. It's like, you it just it doesn't help the investor or the the rental property owner when the city of Minneapolis is trying to put so many controls and limitations and yeah don't get me started <laughs> actually you didn't i just kind of went off on a rampage sorry <laughs> <laughs> well it, it's great that that you as a manager are staying on top of those regulations the reason i just to kind of add to that I'm part of the Realtor Political Action Committee just for that very reason, to stay on top of it um, and to be surrounded by people who know and have those. And this is my first official year because politics is so confusing. You just don't really know what you're getting. So by me being becoming part of, um, through my area association of realtors, it allows me to get, just to see what happens behind the scenes truly, so that I can be a representative of my clients. So that's why I have my contractor's license too, so I can stay on top of that stuff. So, and again, it's it, there's so much, so much we don't know, you know? The news isn't always right, <laughs> I'll tell you that. So anyway, that's, that's um, how I stay on top of those regulations. Otherwise, it, like, for example, the, the we're required as property managers or brokers to have a real estate license if we're going to do managing of properties for other people. There, There's not much legislation behind that other than just saying, hey, you need to have your license. Do you have it? Okay, well, where's the support behind that? So that's what I'm trying to get in and make a move on. I have an end game. I like to foresee the future and how it goes. So my goal is to get involved and make sure that there's a lot of support behind property management from a legislative perspective, just Mm -hmm. because there is for real estate agents, for buying and selling. Mm -hmm. So anyway. Can you, well, that's okay. Um, <laughs> can you expound a little bit on that? What do you mean by how would you like to see more legislative backing for the management side of the business? Well, anybody, so uh, there's one thing you, I mean, people get into real estate because they think it's quick cash. I can do that. I can sell somebody something. There's so much more behind it than that. Yeah. So much more. 
do you like understanding association documents, understanding maintenance, understanding the the need to pull permits and to make sure the inspections and everything is satisfied. There's so much. It's like this 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 orange, you know, and orange isn't because there's not enough layers. And I'm really bad at, at, at trying to do comparison or whatever, but it's like you've got to tear off the layers because there are so many rules and regulations inside. I can't tell you. I've learned the hard way in a few things. Um, but because there's no education, so we get the license, but because there's no support thereafter, how are you supposed to know what to do? You know, if I didn't make the stance to go become part of this political action committee, I wouldn't know a lot. I just wouldn't, you know? You're relying on people to tell you. And how's that being communicated? So I think it comes back again to communication and you're not, there's a, there's a lack of communication. And so it's not getting, it's not getting through to everybody. And that's where you have illegal activities and many things. Yeah. And you know, I think a lot of landlords um, are either scared or frustrated with some of the, uh, regulations that are coming out mm-hmm. um what what would you say is a way that we as property investors can improve the either the messaging or the image of a investor landlord and um so that there's not such a you know adversarial relationship between between you know it's kind of the outlook of the message that's portrayed is that like, like ten, landlords are bad, tenants are being taken advantage of, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, and and you know that sure there's some bad actors out there, but that doesn't describe you and I. No. So we're both investors. We're both real estate agents, right? Yeah. So um, we're able to manage our own properties. Is that kind of so we're able to be the landlord and and the manager where other people would be able to hire us as a manager to be that buffer. So from an owner investor perspective, get a property manager. If you're not that, just get a property manager. You're not doing yourself a favor now for you and I. Yeah. it, It, I'd rather be bad than allowing somebody to get away with something, I guess. Is that kind of... What, you'd rather be bad, meaning the bad guy? The bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, you know, upholding the lease is not necessarily being... The, that's not being bad. That's No, but it is in a tenant's eyes if they're not getting what they want, yeah. right? Yeah. But the complaint from tenants and these tenant advocacy groups are that we're not just upholding the lease and the terms, but we're being unfair or being you know, taking advantage of the general public. Yeah, and those are people that just don't get it. Honestly, they don't. They've never been in our shoes. How are you supposed to, I mean, they probably say that about their car payment too, right? They probably say that to the grocer when they're checking out their groceries that they're being taken advantage of. I mean, there's always somebody, uh, yeah, the tenant advocacy groups 
Don't agree. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, obviously that's a whole other topic and yeah. it's hard to cover that in this little show here, but, um, you know, as we wrap things up here in our discussion, is there any other uh, tips that you would provide to property owners to just the way that they approach their properties and the management so that, um, you know, they just maximize that property value and, and the experience that they have with their investment? So uh, again, I'm, I'm biased, but get a property manager, Yeah. period. And when you're getting a property manager, make sure to go back to the beginning of the show, make sure you're interviewing them to make sure that they can hold another property underneath their portfolio belt. Make sure that they, they're not hard to get a hold of. Make sure that they have good staff. Um, make sure that they have the, the, the legal understanding of the laws and, and just take them through a, an example, right? So, when I'm being interviewed, somebody should take me through the ringer because they're entrusting me with the best, with one of their biggest assets, right? If somebody gets mad because you're doing that, don't. Don't do that. Um, don't go there. Find somebody else. But honestly, make sure you like them because they're going to be representing you to a tenant. Um, secondly, stay on top of maintenance. So when you're doing that, how do they handle maintenance? You should have a predetermined amount set. Okay, this is how much I'm authorized. I'm authorizing my property manager to go through and say, okay, I'll take care of it. Unless it's an emergency, outline the emergency. Put it all in writing. Don't ever do anything on a handshake. Unfortunately, we're not, we're not on the farm anymore, you know? That's just not how it rolls. I'm a farm girl from Iowa, so I can say that. <laughs> you know, where you can leave your doors unlocked and everything's a handshake and a wink of an eye. Not get it in writing. Keep everything to emails, texts, whatever. Got your eyes across your T's. And, and check in. Just check in, you know. It's okay to do drive-bys. But you also have to make sure you, whoever you're hiring for a property manager... I'm, again, property manager is key. Make sure, make sure, make sure, make sure that they have the experience because they're on top of it and you have to trust them. So if yep. that's, that, that's going to help your, it's going to help your, just your evaluation of the live one day. I mean, obviously there's so many things that you can't confirm. Or can't but also don't forget that you're going into this knowing that there's unknowns you're going into this knowing that there are first for everything and you're going into this knowing that everything is a risk at some point um, and it's not nothing's perfect so just plan save money at the end of the day that's why we're all doing it it's it's good money if you it's all in the buy numbers don't lie run your numbers very good. Yeah. I can well, keep going, but I will stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kelly, I appreciate your input and your perspective and all mm -hmm. of this. Um, as we wrap things up here, I want to ask just a couple of questions that yeah. will allow the audience to get to know you better. Um, so first one is, why do you get up in the morning? My dog. <laughs> oh, tell me about she your dog. She gets me up. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> no. She, <laughs> um, she's my pit bull, Marley. Um, 
I'd love to build a complex that's aimed just for renting to dogs where the people are a bystander because they have to pay for the dog's way and then <laughs> offer the concierge service. I would love to do that. Maybe in 20 years. You never know. But anyway, she um, she's my baby, so she gets me up. But besides that, I just have... I just love to work. I love what I do. I love building business. I love helping people. So, you know, that's besides her i i get up to just engage and do stuff like this yeah that's an interesting business model so we're gonna have (laughs) we're gonna rent to dogs (laughs) and if they have humans that come along you know that's extra no (laughs) the the humans are gonna pay their way (laughs) okay yeah yeah that's exactly the way it is it's gonna be like an apartment complex where we offer concierge services minute clinic for pets you name it it's gonna be a dog's world yeah and the humans are just, they'll be able to have the dogs because it, they can come home and know that they're just free snuggles because the dog's been walked and, you okay. know, you can travel. So, anyway. Very good. All right. Yeah. Let me know. Let me know when you get started. That'll be good. <laughs> You're going to be my investor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, one other question I have is, uh, what event or person in your history has been kind of pivotal and monumental for shaping who you are today? My dad. Okay. Yep. My dad, Ron, he is, he is, uh, well, my mom too. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're both amazing. Um, my dad's a numbers guy. He, he, he's taught me very well from being knee high to a grasshopper. I think is how they say that. Just pay attention to finances. And I love numbers. I just, I'm an accountant by trade. That's what I was doing before this. So I graduated from St. Thomas with an accounting degree and was in the corporate accounting world at Life Touch Photography before getting into this. So nothing gets me more excited than a spreadsheet, especially a balanced one. (laughs) (laughs) That's important. Yes. Yeah. But dad. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Um, well, and what's the best way that somebody could get in touch with you if they want to go ahead and have that interview about your management services? Yeah, I would love that. So I'm, my website is a work in progress, um, but I'm proud of it. And it's, it's my personality to, a, to a, a tea pink and just eclectic and, just, you know, just, just me. That's how I roll. So, um, ideal proper teas, M n.com and that's properties i-e-s m-n.com okay and they'll be able to read all about me okay there's contact information obviously yeah it'll say send me an email but if anybody wanted to it's just kelly with an i at ideal properties m-n.com okay very good well kelly again i appreciate you spending your time with us today i want to give you just a small token of my appreciation (gasps) i'm maximizing your property value mug I love coffee. Thank you. Okay, that was my next question. More likely to do coffee, tea. Yes, I am. I'm a coffee girl. All right. Perfect. Thank you, John. Yes, and I appreciate it. Like I said, you coming in. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Uh, If you got anything out of this episode, please let us know. Put a comment below on uh, wherever you're seeing this, hearing this. Uh, We appreciate your feedback and uh, rating on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. And we will catch you next time. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Take care. The opinions shared on this show are for informational purposes only and should not be taken as a solicitation for representation or investment in any specific offering. Please consult with your financial, legal, tax, and real estate advisor before making any investment decisions. John Stiles is a licensed Minnesota real estate agent with Bridge Realty. Thanks for tuning in to Maximizing Your Property Value, the apartment owner's guide to operating rental properties as a successful business. If you're considering scaling up, downsizing, or right-sizing your real estate investment portfolio, it's important to know how to determine your property's value in today's market. That's why I've put together a free ebook for you called How to Calculate Your Investment Property's Value. To get your copy, go to www.realestatestyles.com forward slash value. Now, if you found any value in today's show, be sure to subscribe to our email newsletter, YouTube channel, and podcast through your favorite podcast player. All the links are in the show notes. And would you do me a big favor? Help me get the word out about this show by sharing with your friends on Facebook and LinkedIn. And lastly, we appreciate your five-star rating on iTunes. I really appreciate you and wish you the best in your real estate investing career. Signing off, I'm John Stiles with Bridge Realty. Make it a great day.